This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, the telescopic left leg of Erling Braut Haaland. How many different ways are there to say he's like no other? Heartbreak for his former teammates, Nicholas Sula and Mats Hummels, who kept him quiet for the other 92 minutes. You have to feel for John Stones when the cleanest strike of a football he's ever made isn't the goal we're talking about. Meanwhile, Graham Potter puts Raheem Sterling left wing back and drops the new expensive centre-backs. There's the rest of the Champions League, Celtic profligate against Shakhtar, Alan McGregor can't save enough penalties for Rangers. And there's the impending crisis at Juve. Sid Lowe's here to tell us everything about Spanish football and we'll look ahead to a truncated but respectful Premier League weekend. All that plus your questions and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Jonathan Liu, hello. Hi. Hello, Troy Townsend. Hi, Max. Hello, Barry Glendenning. Hello, Max Rushton. Uh, let's start at the Etihad then. Manchester City 2, Borussia Dortmund 1. Gilly says, have you ever seen a goal like Haaland's where the ball had snow on it, but he managed to volley it in? He's like the reverse Andy Gray. Andy said, I just tweaked my hamstring watching it. And the cam says, besides downloading ink over the internet, is there anything Erling Haaland can't do? I was trying to think, Johnny, is there any other player who could score a goal like that? Probably, perhaps Zlatan 10 years ago. It was quite Zlatan. I, I think, you know, I can remember Cristiano Ronaldo doing it once or twice as well. It, it's it's a, it's one of those feats of athleticism that um, not many players are capable of. Um, and insofar as Haaland does have, you know, a trademark goal, this, this, might, this might well be it. Just kind of soaring through the skies like... Um, I don't know some some Norse god. They name a Norse god Thor, uh, yeah, Odin, and and um, you know, with, with, but but his but his hammer is actually is actually his own leg, and um, <laughs> and you know my my Norse mythology knowledge has has kind of dried up there. Great goal, great goal, great feat of athleticism. It was wasn't it? And and, and Troy, his this his only chance in the game. Sorry, I'm still getting over the hammer comment. Um, so that's, that's thrown me a little bit there from that, Jonathan, there. Um, no, it wasn't his only chance. He had a chance, a slight chance, a half chance. And I suppose this was a half chance as well, really, wasn't it? Because I don't think anyone expected, as that ball came in from Cancelo, to, for him to, to kind of, you know, place his body and his leg that high 
to be able to strike to to you know manufacture an effort on goal, which was an, an amazing goal. He had one slightly earlier where he he kind of dragged his right peg, didn't he? Um, as he was coming down the left hand side channel, but that's right. This yes. is just this this is just unbelievable. It's off the scale. It's absolutely off the scale. And the, the silly thing about it is no one is talking about the outside foot pass from Cancelo into the box now because of the. Yeah, it was just it was just an amazing piece of football. Both both goals were unbelievable. I mean, the nonchalance from um, De Bruyne to to just slide that ball into John Stones, who, like you said, hit it with everything he had, didn't he? Um, although I am going to question the goalkeeper on that one. Um, and in okay. years years to come, we may be talking about why the goalie pulled his hand away and then tried to make it as if he was trying to save it afterwards. But Haaland's a phenomenon and, uh, you know, there's nothing this guy can't do. Um, yeah, he was quiet for a lot of the game, wasn't he? But, you know, ultimately, like he said, I scored and it was the winner. Henry says the BT Sport commentator said no one has a better outside of the foot than Jao Cancelo. Max, do you need to rethink who gets the outside of the foot for your Frankenstein footballer? I'm still going with Modric over Cancelo. Absolutely. The thing about that cross, the thing about that cross, Barry, is it's only a good cross for Haaland. That, that, no one else can actually get to it. Well, I often wonder, you know, people say that uh, say a winger gets a good crossing, but there's no one there to, to connect. And I wonder, well, then is it a good cross? Because by definition... A good cross has to have someone there to to connect, and whether they put it wide or not, uh, or score, you know, at least we know the cross was good. But this was inch perfect. Um, I saw you likened Haaland to Inspector Gadget. I went with the Matrix. It was like <laughs> yeah. something from the Matrix. But a wonderful goal, and I I've said this before, but we're all repeating ourselves in terms of Haaland already. I do wonder if at some point other City players are going to get sick of having their thunder stolen by this Norse god. Stealing thunder is the sort of thing a Norse god sounds like they would do. There's probably... No, no, that, that, that's that's an excellent, excellent reference by Barry. And and I, I think we need to... I think we just need to acknowledge that as a... Pause. Well, thank you. That's it was intel- it, intentional. It wasn't an accidental, fluky good <laughs> reference. Is that where the is that where the saying comes from? Does it come from Norse myth- mythology? Yeah, he goes into the. I think he goes into Valhalla and and steals the thunder from the the mortals and and makes a boat. Who Erling Brat Harland does? <laughs> yeah, Erling Brat Harland <laughs> sounds like the kind of thing Odin would have gotten up to. Okay, right. Uh, well, someone, you know, we've probably got some professors of Norse Norse mythology listening who can put us right. The interesting thing about about this this city side is that it's the first Guardiola team to have a genuine proper bona fide star since obviously uh, Messi. I mean, even even at um, even at Bayern, Lewandowski had to had to play the system. He had to do a lot of yeah, you know, he scored a lot of goals, but he had to do a lot of sacrificial running and mould his game around what Guardiola wanted. Aguero as well when he joined City, but Haaland is the first player in a decade almost that Guardiola has moulded a team around him. And that's that, that. That is quite interesting. It does, it does change the way they play, but it also kind of changes the dynamic of of the whole the whole squad. Because, like you say, they are there are plenty of stars in that in that squad, but they are now B listers basically against him. I was going to say, do you think they have changed the way they've played so soon? Sorry, that's me asking a question. Sorry, well, you're allowed to. It's a conversation, Troy. You're welcome <laughs> to. 
the, the, the first iteration of, of Guardiola's City, they they get to the byline, isn't it? It's Sane and Sterling getting to the byline and cutting it back low. And that's that's what we, we think of as the City goal. Whereas now, I mean, yeah, you had Grealish and Mahrez and they, they don't really get to the byline at all. What their job is, is, is to, to commit defenders and get the ball back for diagonal diagonal crosses from slightly deeper, which is you know which is De Bruyne, whether that's Can- Cancelo, and they they've scored so many in the last you know year or so from those sorts of diagonal crosses, and that's what Haaland feasts on. You know, and they're what they they, you know, they have lots and lots of different ways of scoring, but th- th- what what you would think of as the trademark City move, I think that that is definitely evolving quite quickly. I guess. A thing about Haaland and, and, you know, whether the City players will get annoyed. If you look at how much it's appeared the Dortmund players really liked him and like they were chatting in a really lovely way after the game, that that, that even if he is so brilliant, you sort of muck in and go, this is fine. I, it looked like Jude Bellingham basically went up to him and went, for fuck's sake, <laughs> you know, which I really love. Because actually Barry Bellingham had a brilliant game. He's got a lovely goal. A great and game. lots of people asking questions about, you know, he has to start in the World Cup and sort of minded to think he does. Uh, yeah, he was excellent. His goal was well taken. Haaland at fault for that, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Because he, he, he let the... He he let uh, whoever was flicked on the corner at the near post that he he could have done more to stop that given his height and then he allowed Bellingham to get in front of him to nod the ball past Allison. So yes, he's a fraud, Haaland. <laughs> but should Bellingham be in the England team? Probably he'd definitely be in the squad, no doubt about that. Injury permitting, but uh, I'd. I'd bow to your superior knowledge as England fans on that front, I think. Johnny, do you, you know, Jack Grealish, it's still not quite working and he does slow the play down. I know these things that lots of people have said and and it's not a huge disaster, right? City won the league, they're still really good. But it, it does feel like he's not having the fun that he was having at Villa. He's not doing the things he was doing. And I just wonder if there is a time when you go, maybe this isn't the perfect fit. I don't know how long... You give it, yeah, and I think this is this is the season. I mean, I think everyone was prepared to give Grealish one season because of the you know the leap he was making, and and you know loads of players take a take a, a season to get used to to Guardiola's methods, and so I think basically that was a pass. Last season was a free pass for him, and and now he he really does need to step up. You know, Sterling stepped up, Cancelo stepped up. Um, you know, loads of players who have who have you know not had great first seasons or, or you know have have come into their own and and you know we haven't seen that yet it's not you know it's not fun for him by the looks of it and and it's not really i mean it's not really fun to to watch him anymore he he was the sort of player that you just love to see get on the ball now obviously he ha- he has a lot less space and he has a lot less license he feels more much more like a system player um than he ever was uh with villa or even with england so yeah this is this is uh, the season for him i think if he's if he's not kicked on by by January, even then, you know, he's got, you know, he's got, he's at a real crossroads. I mean, you sense that Foden and Bernardo is 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 his favoured front three over Mahrez and, and Grealish. Oh, it's interesting you talk about the changes, Troy, because a lot of people afterwards were saying that like, Dortmund took off Medeiros, they brought on another centre back, and hindsight is a wonderful thing, right? If John Stones doesn't twirl into the top corner, which seems unlikely, actually, it's a really sensible substitution. Yeah, but you know. You've got to keep this Man City team at bay, and and they were, you know, the subs made a, a massive change. They were they were a massive influence. They started to flow a little bit better. They pressed. Dortmund got deeper, 
And when you get deeper, you allow Man City to encroach in and around your box. And they're such a creative side that something's going to happen. You know, you always felt, I always felt, anyway, I don't know about anyone else, that something was going to happen. Now, I didn't expect the goals to go in in the manner and the way that they did, particularly with John Stone stepping up first and foremost. But very similar strike to Vincent Company. I'm not saying it was the same enormity, but John Stones just doesn't strike a ball like that. And he did with, with great, you know, with great quality. And, and that was the trigger for City to then go for the win. You know, and I feel for Dortmund a little bit, but ultimately the game is a 90 plus minute game and you've got to be on boil throughout all of that or else the quality will, you know, will snatch a victory. And just on the Jack Grealish thing, I mean, he's he's got a significant price tag on his head. And for me, the price tag, the enormity of being at City, the enormity of not being the main man um, and having to conform almost to a style of play. We've just spoken about Haaland and the way that they're building their team around him. Well, Jack Grealish has got to try and fit into that. And at the moment, far too many times he hasn't. And his game has stagnated at City. That's the simple thing we've got to say. His game has stagnated. He's not adopted to Pep's style. And I agree with Jonathan. January could be massively important, although with the way the season is, I don't think Pep's going to want anyone go, but I think he's going to find his time limited unless he does step up and start contributing. Uh, so the idiom um, to steal someone's thunder uh, comes from the peevish dramatist John Dennis early in the 18th century after he conceived a novel idea for a thunder machine for his unsuccessful 1709 play Appius and Virginia and later found it used at a performance of Macbeth. There's an account of it in The Lives of Poets of Great Britain and Ireland by Robert Shields and Theophilus Sibba. So there we are. Um uh, he happened once to go to the play when a tragedy was acted in which the machinery of thunder was introduced, a new artificial method of producing, which he had formally communicated to the managers. Incensed by the circumstance, he cried out in a transport of resentment, that is my thunder by God. The villains will play my thunder, but not my plays. Don't really understand. But anyway, Chelsea won, Salzburg won. Graham Potter thundered in Barry for his first game in charge. The first Champions League match he's ever been to. Um, uh, quite a few people pointing out that he got Chelsea passing it quite nicely but failing to take their chances which was very Brighton and Hope Albion style played Sterling at wing back and dropped the two centre backs what did you make of it all? Well yes the Graham Potter in his post-match interview saying his boys gave it everything but lacked a bit of cutting edge and missed too many chances we've seen him do that interview before <laughs> it wasn't quite to be today says Graham Potter after every single game his teams play. Um, yeah, I, I saw some analytics slash tactics nerds having a fierce argument on Twitter last night over what exact position um, Raheem Sterling was playing. Now, I, I thought he was like a left winger. <laughs> but, you know, my uneducated jaundiced eye, Glenn Hoddle was on Cocom's for BT Sport, and he was the subject of much mockery from from these tactics guys for for constantly saying he was playing as a left wing back. Um, now, quite apart from the fact that Glenn Hoddle has probably forgotten more about football than these guys will ever know, uh, most of them I suspect too young to have ever seen him play. Yeah, he was playing high up the pitch on the left. He was hugging the left touchline even when play was on the right, making the pitch wide. I I, I wasn't. I was more sort of 
I suppose I was more interested in who who Potter picked than how Chelsea lined up, and he he left quite a lot quite a lot of money's worth of defenders on the bench. I did notice. I don't know if he's injured. It, it doesn't seem to be anything anyone else has picked up on. There was no place for Edward Mendy in the squad, the matchday squad. He's injured. Apparently he had an injury. Yeah, a slight injury, yeah. Well, there, there goes my nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Hawkeye Baz. Thing is, the thing is, if Troy had never mentioned it, most listeners wouldn't go and check and you would have been like, oh, Barry's got, Barry knows something. I guess the question is, do, do how much do you think, Troy the players read into the first team that he picks? Like, does Koulibaly instantly think, oh, that's not very good? Or are they, are they, do they have a slightly longer-term view of this? Well, I, I was interested because I have this argument on whether it's dropped or whether, you know, there's a preparation for the next game. And then I realised that the, the Liverpool game's off on Sunday, isn't it? One of the games that's not being played. So actually, Chelsea have got a, a, a free week as such. So a free, they're having a free hit at this game. And, I would have thought that he would have, well, what I believe, and then again, he might question it because he's the only one that sees them in training, that he would have gone for a much stronger defensive line with, um, you know, Koulibaly, Chilwell, who, if he's watched back the last game, realised that he made an absolutely massive difference coming on against West Ham, Fafana. Um, but he chose to go this way and, and ultimately it didn't work for him. It didn't work for him and... You know, he'll have another week to work out what will be his best side and the way that he wants them to approach it. Because the one thing Graham Potter can't do is start slow at Chelsea. He can't start slow. He's got to show that he's made a difference and making a difference almost immediately because of the, the situation they've been in and as to the reason why, well, it's part of the reason why Tuchel got the bullet, you know. And the other thing, Johnny, that that we don't know is, is this dressing room, which is full of people who have won and have, titles etc etc is so different and you just you just don't know how amenable they will be to will they look and go actually he did he did overperform at Ostersunds and Brighton etc so he can overperform here like you just that is such an intangible isn't it yeah and a lot of that is is down to to Potter himself and how he how he presents himself like those first few meetings that are, that are just so key because it basically comes down to you know he's he's not won anything really and there are lots of guys in, the, in in that dressing room who won you know World Cups and 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 Champions Leagues and whatever and if he walks into if he walks into that place and they get a whiff of of maybe he doesn't feel like he belongs there or he is slightly ambivalent about about you know his mission um, then you know players are not idiots they will they will sniff that out and. That that's quite apart from anything you know tactically that a new coach can implement in the first few weeks. That that communication and that initial bond, that rapport that you build with a, with a, with a team, that is the really crucial part of it. You get off on the on the wrong foot with some players, and and you know it takes months to fix, and and you know if ever. So you know if if players who are who have been left out of that first starting lineup, if they've been if they've had that communicated to them. Uh, in a mature and and kind of forthright and an enlightened way, and Potter is really good at this stuff. Like you know, he he's a communicator. He like people people like him, and it's it's pretty hard in football to to stay liked. So so that's clearly a gift that he has. Um, then then you know it's, it's not a problem because you can say, well, you know, I need to look at everyone. We've got you know got a lot of talent. I'm I'm new here, we, and he's clearly opted for experience. He, you know, every every kind of marginal call in that. 
in that first starting lineup, he's gone for kind of you know the more the more experienced option. If he's if if that's how he rationalises it, if that's if that's how he explains it to the squad, then I don't, I don't see necessarily why why it's a problem. But yeah, it's it's um these these are these are big moments for him because he has to he really has to establish his personality as well as his his kind of footballing style. And I suppose if 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 Broja doesn't balloon that over the bar in the injury time. It's a, a slightly different story, isn't it? Anyway, Milan won 3-1 against Dinamo Zagreb, who had, of course, beaten Chelsea in the first game. There is now a double header: Chelsea and AC Milan, and Chelsea only on one point. So they are big games for Graham Potter when they come around. That'll do for part one. Part two, uh, Sid will join us in a bit. We'll try and get through the Champions League games before he arrives. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM. For a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. It starts the same way. Can I tell you a secret? It would start off with a random girl and... Just say, hey, hun, I'm going to tell you some secret now. Please don't mention it to anybody. But it quickly escalates. It just spread like a wildfire. I still sleep with clubs next to my bed. I didn't know how far this was going to go. People seldom show their true selves online. But one man, he's taken it much further. I was terrified. Who is the cyberstalker behind these messages? He actually said to me, good luck proving it's me. And why is he sending them? Because he became more and more isolated, he just went within himself even further. Do you punish someone for acting out whatever is going on in their mind that we don't understand? And if I could just turn back the clock? From The Guardian, I'm Shirin Tyler, and this is... Can I tell you a secret? A story about obsession, fear, and the lives we lead online. Search for Can I Tell You a Secret wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now. All episodes will be available on Friday, the 23rd of September.
Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Gary Lineker will be joining uh, Guardian Live for a hybrid event um, uh, available online, worldwide and in person in London on the 12th of October, Wednesday, 7 to 8pm. He'll be talking about his favourite football moments with the co-writer of his new book, Ivor Badil. 50 times football changed the world. Attendees can ask Gary questions, buy a copy of the book. If you attend the in-person event, the book will be pre-signed. It's family-friendly. Kids aged seven and over may attend. Get your tickets now at theguardian.com slash Gary Lineker. Rangers nil, Napoli three. Credit to Lars, who said not just King Charles, who had a problem with pens yesterday. Rangers also did. And a lot of us, in a bit that you won't hear on the pod, because we've been talking for 10 minutes about laws we don't understand, are quite sure why the first penalty was retaken. Even though, Barry, Alan McGregor saved as many penalties as he could until Napoli just scored a penalty. That's the conclusion. Well, my understanding with the first penalty... Uh which resulted in in Rangers losing James Sands to a red card, was that it was retaken because Alan McGregor came off his line. And even though Politano slotted home the rebound after McGregor saved, it has to be retaken because McGregor saved it, having encroached off his line. But I've now learned that it might have been given for a Napoli and Rangers player encroaching into the box as the penalty was taken, one of whom might have been Politano, hence the retake. But Troy, in the bit you won't hear, has said that that's unfair. And so either way, it seems a ludicrous rule because why would you be allowed to retake the penalty if one of your own players encroach? Uh, or why would you be why the need to retake it if one of your own players has scored when McGregor came off his line? And in the bit people won't hear, you took Peter Walton's word over mine, which I found grossly offensive. Peter Walton being the refereeing expert, I use the term advisedly, on BT Sport. There's so much about that situation, though, Max, isn't there? I mean, I thought Sands was dealt with harshly. Is that a yellow card from the original pen, which ultimately leads him to be sent off, which ultimately leads... Rangers down to 10 men in a very competitive game. You know, we can we can discuss and debate the penalties as much as, as possible and the, the, the encroachments and the off-the-lines and whatever, but that decision ultimately won Napoli the game once they finally put a tucked a penalty away and then gave them the advantage to go on. I thought that was extremely harsh. I don't think he's he stopped a clear and obvious decision. And I've got to be honest, I repeatedly... And this is where I'm going to actually support referees God forbid, and those behind VAR, because I watched that situation about eight, nine times, and I still wasn't sure if he got a touch on the ball, first of all, and I still wasn't sure that he actually took the legs of, I think it was Simone, wasn't it, um, as he was running through. I, I wasn't sure. And Lundstrom is also is also kind of, it's almost like a, yeah. a, a tag team foul. They, they go on in him together. Lundstrom's got a hand on him. He then, you know, he, he makes a lunge for the ball. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know, you know. It's shared responsibility in a way, and anywhere else on the pitch, that is that is that is not a yellow card. Yeah, it was clumsy. It was clumsy, and the and the penalty they did concede was one of those handballs yeah. where it probably is a handball, yeah. but he's so close that it sort of feels unfair. Nice to see Tangi and Dombele scoring a goal, though. So that was that was a nice thing. But it has been a bad week for Rangers because they've lost four 0 to Celtic, four 0 to Ajax, three 0 to Napoli, and the Queen has died. Not a great week in, in Rangers history. No, they, they played the national anthem uh, and held a minute's silence um, to mark the death of Queen Elizabeth. UEFA did not grant the request. Um, so Chelsea and Man City reportedly didn't play God Save the King. Rangers played it anyway. 
Um, uh, after the silence, Ranger Sands joined in song as the music was played, having displayed a TIFO commemorating the Queen that took up one end of the stadium. UEFA had said they wanted consistent pre-match ceremony without any celebratory activities across all UK venues. Um, crisis at Juve. They lost 2-1 to Benfica. Uh, as Rory mentioned yesterday, we're often guilty of overlooking the Portuguese sides. And uh, Benfica joint top with PSG in this group. Massive pressure on Allegri. Um, they've lost their opening two Champions League games. We're doing a Europod next week, so we'll we'll get the lowdown uh, with Nicky then. And uh, uh, PSG had a little bit of a scare, uh, going 1-0 down to Maccabi Haifa before Mbappe setting up Messi brilliantly and then Messi setting up Mbappe brilliantly. And they are brilliant. Those three Neymar getting on the score sheet as well. Um, I've rattled through those games because Sid Lowe joins us and he likes to talk. He's not even here for a whole part, just part of a part. He's getting lazier as the pods go on, although perhaps it's not his choice. Hello, Sid. Morning. Uh, I'm not lazy. The manager just doesn't trust in, in anything, <laughs> other than, anything other than a 10-minute cameo role for me. <laughs> contractually, contractually, we're only allowed to have you on for 14 minutes. Otherwise, we have to really shell out to your previous employers. That's the problem. Exactly. <laughs> uh, right, let's before we get on to Antoine Griezmann and that ridiculous story, uh, let's start with Real Madrid beating RB Leipzig 2-0. Um, took their time to get going and Leipzig, you know, had a few chances, some of them for Timo Werner, so they didn't go in. Um, but Asensio's goal was just a total delight, Sid. Yeah, really, really nicely taken, was it? He does, it's one of the things about Marco Asensio that I think means that people never really know how to judge him because he can, how do I put this nicely? He can do nothing. But then he he kicks a ball very well. So so he scores a lot of goals out of not very much. And so he's quite often far more decisive than he actually is in terms of the influence on on the game itself. Um, And he's had a difficult summer as well because he he very clearly wanted out at the start of the summer. Then very clearly didn't get the offers that he wanted. So kind of wanted back in again. And and there was a bit of whistling for him last night when he came on. But then that that goal will will of course help. This felt, I don't know about you, Max, this felt a little bit to me like... A lot of group games do with Real Madrid in the Champions League. One of those games where it, they sort of weren't very good. It sort of didn't really matter and they won anyway. Yeah, I mean, that was a Celtic game all over, right? Where Celtic sort of, I mean, pummeled is perhaps too far. But then Real Madrid just went, oh, we, I suppose we might as well win this game. Have their league game, because they won all their games in La Liga. Their league game's been the same as well. Or are they absolutely flying? No, the league games, they've been a little bit more impressive. I, I wouldn't go quite so far as to say they're absolutely flying, but they've been more impressive. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think they conceded, they conceded against Mallorca and went 1-0 down and won that 2-1. But apart from that, I think they've led all of those games. They've looked, they've looked to my view at least, more, more impressive in, in the league than, in, than in, in the two European games so far. Also in that group, uh, Celtic drew with Shakhtar. And Barry, they, they should have won this, shouldn't they? Postacoglu slightly disappointed afterwards. Yeah, they need every right to be. Um, much like the game against Real Madrid, they didn't take their chances and they had plenty of chances to put the game beyond Shakhtar in the first half and then they had two good chances late doors. Giacomacus and um, Dyson Meade both missed glorious chances to take the three points and that'll probably cost them ultimately. Shakhtar were okay in spots after they equalised um, they, they took the game to Celtic for a while, but Celtic did dominate the second half as well. And Ange has every right to be pissed off, I think, because they're getting the chances, just not putting them away. And another masterclass from Mikilo uh, Mudrik 
playing for Shakhtar on the left wing. He is sensational. Yeah, I think um, Brentford wanted him for 30 million in the window and it's sort of every game it's going up by 10. So who knows who'll go for him in, in January. He said, I'm just focusing on Shakhtar for now, which means I'm going in January, I presume. Uh, John says, I just watched Hatate for Celtic. I thought, is there, a, is there money in gum shield advertising? How much wording could one fit on the gum shield of a footballer? It's, uh, it's something to consider, isn't it? Um, and probably will happen. It probably has happened in rugby, hasn't it? Um, look, Sid, since we have you and, and we haven't really chatted to you for quite a long time, um, Barca lost in Munich, in Munich last night, but they played really well. You know, Pedri was a total delight and should have scored. Obviously, Lewandowski missed a couple of big chances. Um, what is the vibe around the new Camp now that they've got this brilliant squad with loads of depth and have spent all their payday loan money? Well, to hang it on that game, the the response is very much your response. That yes, they lost, but that this is different. Um, that losing to Bayern Munich is to be expected. What has been so painful, I think, for them over the last few years um, was the fact that they just didn't compete. You know, they, they were never even close to, to beating Bayern Munich. Actually, Johnny summed this up brilliantly in his match report, that this was a different type of defeat. And and there is, a se- I think, a sense of optimism. Now, obviously, that's led to the backlash, if you like, from Real Madrid fans sort of laughing at them, going, what a bunch of losers. Here you are celebrating having been beat, beaten by Bayern. But I think that does overlook the the, the kind of the process they're on and, and the quality of the players they've got. And they've been really good this season. They didn't win the first game of the season against Rio, but they've, they've won every game since then. They've been scoring a lot of goals. The weird thing in a way, I suppose, was that they missed their chances in this game when in some of the La Liga games, even when they haven't played well, they've had what the Spanish always refer to as pegada, you know, the ability to actually land a punch, even if you don't throw very many. Um, and, and this time, the, the complete opposite happened. And I suppose that's defined by Lewandowski, who's been fantastic in, in La Liga and then missed his chances in this one. I think the, 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 but the overall feeling is that this is potentially a properly good side one that should compete for the league title all the way to the end, whether or not they beat Real Madrid to it, obviously only time will tell us that. Um, and that there is a belief, I think, that this is a team that could reach the the quarters or the semis in the Champions League, you know, that could do something worthwhile, but probably not yet win it. Pete says, does Sid know Antoine Griezmann's thoughts on the current, frankly, hilarious situation regarding his playing time? Is he happy just playing 29 minutes and 29 seconds every game? We have kind of explained the situation, but you feel free to do that and then explain basically what everyone must be saying in Spain about how mad this is. I'll I'll try and do the the, the simplest and shortest explanation of all. Essentially, he is on loan from Barcelona with an obligatory purchase clause at 40 million euros if he plays a certain number of games. Certain number of games is defined by having played 45 minutes. So in other words, if you play less than that, it doesn't calculate. So what Atletico Madrid are doing are playing him as much as they can without it counting as having played him, which is why he keeps coming on in the 63rd minute in basically every single game. Um, how does he feel about it? Well, of course, he's not happy about it. Uh, Simeone's not happy about it either. But these two have in part engineered it because of a situation that was even more difficult than it looks. And that situation essentially is that Atletico Madrid as a club did not want him to stay this summer. That given this situation, they would have rather he moved on, either just not continue the loan or if they've been forced to um, to, to to kind of formalise a, a purchase, find somewhere for him to then go on to. Essentially, what happens is that Simeone says, no, I want him to stay. I want him to be here. He is then has impressed upon him 
Well, the only way we can do that is if we do this and that will put pressure on Barcelona and that will lead to a renegotiation. Of course, everybody assumed that might happen a bit quicker than it has happened. And everybody assumes even now that it happened relatively quickly. And so this bizarre situation will stop. But who knows at what point that happens? And so is he happy about it? No, but he accepted it. And he accepted it because it's Simeone who's defended him, who's kept him at the club, who's told him he'll do everything to keep him playing. It's Simeone who's essentially promised you'll play as much as you possibly can within this criteria. And so there's an acceptance. And also there's partly an acceptance because until now, it's mostly worked quite well. Now, obviously, long term, that, that, that isn't sustainable. And Simeone, for the first time, I thought, said something which pointed um, after the Champions League game. He said, we play better when Griezmann is on the pitch. In other words, we want him on the pitch more than the, more than the 30 plus minutes he's, he's getting at the moment. The other criteria, part of this, of course, to put this into context for you, so one of the reasons why Atletico think this could force Barcelona's hands is let's not forget something here, which is that Barcelona absolutely do not want him back. You know, they want that deal done with Atletico Madrid. And if they can't get 40 million, the question mark is now, would they renegotiate and take less? Because they do not want a player, after everything we've seen this summer, coming back to them that cost them 40 million euros a year on that limit, salary limit pros, uh, program that they, that they have in La Liga. And so they really really do not want them back. It's, it's a curious one, isn't it? We've seen a million tugs of war between clubs over the years, but normally it's to get a player, not to not have to play for a player. It will be interesting, Sid, um, if they get to the knockout stages. <laughs> There's a potential for extra time. Yes. Right, so I, I should probably explain this bit because you, you, you may have done the maths and, and you're probably mm. better at maths than me when I said at the start the games count as a game if he plays more than half. And half of a game, you may have noticed, is 45 minutes. And I keep telling you, he comes on after 63. In other words, he's basically coming on for half an hour. Right. So, well, what's that 15 minutes for? Well, that 15 minutes is essentially about playing safe. About not running the risk of someone trying to be, well, pedantic or, or looking at the clause and legally saying, well, actually, look, he was on the pitch for 47 minutes because he comes on, let's say, for argument's sake, in the 50th. And there's a lot of extra time. This year, games in Spain are going to eight, nine, ten minutes additional time all right. the time. The other day in the Champions League, he scored in the 101st minute. And I can tell you there are people at Atletico Madrid who were sitting in the stands thinking, I really hope the referee blows up now because he was four minutes off getting to what would, strictly speaking, have been 45. So as Baz says, there is genuinely a scenario in which if a game goes into extra time, Atletico Madrid might be wondering if, ah, we're probably going to have to take him off again. Can you, can, I mean, can you, can you not play any games? Can you not play, like, can, can they not start him in a, in a few games? This is, this, is, this is where we get complex. Okay, so yes is the answer to this. And, and, I, and, I, and I would like to think at some point they will do this. Essentially, the deal is, although there is, um, it seems there's a little bit of grey area or the classic thing when lawyers look at a black and white clause and somehow manage to find the loophole. Um, there's a lovely Spanish phrase for this, by the way, which is echa la ley, echa la trampa. In other words, no so sooner is the law written than the loophole is too. You know, as soon as you've got it down, you can find a way around it. But essentially, the, the, the rule was he has a two-year loan period. If he pay, plays more than 50% of the games across the two years, then you have to pay this 40 million clause. Obviously, those games, as I say, only calculate from 45 minutes onwards. Here's the thing. It's more than 50% of the games that he is available for over two years. Now, last year, he basically played all of them. So he's right, right up at something like 80%. So this year, to bring the balance down, he's almost got to play none. And imagine a scenario 
in which he now gets injured and misses the rest of the season and is unavailable for the rest of the season, he will basically have triggered the clause. Shit. So in other words, they're now, they're now effectively counterbalancing the number of games he played last year by trying to, ba- by, by trying to play absolutely none this. But yes, I, I think you're right. There will be a point at which they go, ah, okay, so long as we've got the numbers right, he's going to have to play the whole of this game. But you could start him and take him off in the 44th minute. You could do that in theory as well, yes. Mm. But what if the ball didn't go out of play? Well, actually, actually, if it I didn't say, go out of play, say, and you'd be panicking. Exactly. I say they could do this, Max. I honestly don't know. It's so funny. Um, if there's if there's a part of the clause that refers to starting a match, I, I that bit I don't know. Anything else you want to share with us? Severe you know, that they do with Copenhagen having a terrible start. Osasuna in the top four. I know. I, which is I love I Osasuna. Before. Tell us why they have Mid- Middlesbrough legend Kike Garcia playing for them. Um, they are Osasuna are such a such a fun team to watch. It's 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 a little bit straightforward, but it's really it's kind of really relentless. It's ball in the box, ball in the box, ball in the box from wide positions. Loads of goals, really direct, really kind of dynamic. Uh, great fans, brilliant stadium, uh, a lot, and they've got the amazing Chimi Avila, who, if you look at him, sort of um, if you analyse him, sort of purely, he's slightly disastrous as a footballer at times. But he's this kind of one man human wrecking ball with tattoos all over him. Uh, a guy who got his first tattoo did it himself as a 13-year-old and now has hundreds and hundreds of them and, and talks about illicit games with guys with guns who are who are gambling on them when he's a 12-year-old and he's got to win matches for these local drugs barons and stuff. It's uh, He's got an incredible story. That's very much like my upbringing, actually, it sounds. Like it sounds very much like your upbringing, yeah. Um, uh, uh, right, anyway, thanks, Sid. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Sid Lowe there out in Spain. We'll be back in part three for a Premier League preview. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know it's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Rocketmoney.com slash pod24. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. So the Premier League has confirmed that there'll be a minute silence followed by God Save the King. Um, flags will be at half-mast. Screens and perimeter boards will display tribute images to the Queen. When the clock turns to 70 minutes, fans will be invited to applaud uh, the Queen's 70-year reign. Chelsea's game with Liverpool is off. Leeds' trip to Manchester United has been called off. Uh, Brighton Palace had already been called off um, because of rail strikes. It remains postponed um, elsewhere. Uh, the SPFL fixtures will go ahead on Saturday and Sunday, subject to police resourcing. Uh, no games on Monday, the day, the day of the Queen's funeral. Before we look at the Premier League games, there was 
that two amateur football clubs are being investigated for defying instructions not to play a match last weekend. Sheffield International FC and Byron House FC, who both play in Division 3 of the Sheffield District Fair Play League, will be dealt with, quote, in the strongest possible terms for their, quote, disrespectful and despicable behaviour, according to their local football association website. I think they were due to play in the league and then they arranged a friendly on social media. It does seem, I think we've discussed it already on Monday, but they turned up and had a kick about, Barry. I can't get too angry about this. No, but I suppose it is indicative of uh, the pomposity of local FAs and the FA in general and just the manner in which people in the UK seem to be slowly losing their minds over all this. I'm just... I, I can't believe some of the stuff I'm seeing. It really is something else. There were some interesting banners in the, the Celtic end at the Warsaw last night. Shakhtar the next... Weirdly, not quite as respectful as, as the Rangers fans at Ibrox. So they had a, a banner up, sorry for your loss, Michael Fagan, which is a nod to that Irish eccentric who famously made his way into the Queen's Chamber in 1982 and had a chat with her sitting at the end of her bed and, and a slightly less polite one. Everyone is rushing to defend people's rights to hold up pieces of paper with anti-monarch sentiment on them outside Westminster, but uh, are you allowed to do it at football matches? Will you wait for punish these Celtic fans? I don't know. Samuel says, how should a Republican act during the incoming monarchy ceremonies about to become part of football? My gut feeling is I should wait at the bar and only take my seat once the royal stuff is done. Is protest appropriate? Does it make me one of the knee-booing guys? Um, what do you think, Tommy? There's a, there was an interesting um, piece in the New Statesman this week about this, and... I think the, the the gist of it was that we've basically forgotten, as a, as a nation, we we no longer know how to express ourselves, express who we are, um, and and as a result, we now this well society now regards any attempt at expression as subversive and dangerous, whether it's a blank, you know, a, a, a blank piece of paper held up, or or a banner, or playing football on a on a on a Saturday afternoon, um, I think there's um, you know there there is an extent to which um, we are we are kind of scared. Like, we're really scared and and um, directionless society, and we don't we've lost our moorings morally. So um, we don't we don't there are no rules anymore. There, there there are no conventions for this kind of thing. So we we just kind of we cleave to whatever feels good or whatever you know we see to, to whatever appears to be the prevailing mood on twitter that morning um I, yeah I, I i don't know i don't know whether that's an answer but um it's a terrible country <laughs> it's a terrible terrible country and i hate it i wonder what you think tribes interesting when people were saying you know i was obviously when people booed players taking the knee i was furious and you know thought well look chuck them out and if you don't like it just don't say anything yet i feel freedom of expression if you don't want to take part in a I suppose I probably don't think you should boo a minute silence for the Queen they're obviously completely different because one is about oppression and one is about somebody who's born with ridiculous privilege I don't know if that makes it different you know if someone is having a minute silence you probably shouldn't boo it does that make sense yeah of course I mean a minute silence is a minute silence and and ultimately it's, it's a respectful thing for someone that has passed away 
Um, and it doesn't matter who that person is, by the way. You know, I, I just think that it should be respected regardless of your thoughts on the individual and regardless on your thoughts on, on, you know, what they've done in their life. I don't know what you get out of booing or chanting or singing songs during that period of time. Do it afterwards, you know, just... Uh, I think respect, I hear what Jonathan's saying quite a lot here, and I think respect has gone totally out of the British window, regardless of who you are and, and whatever status you have. You know, we have these clashes on social media, born out of what, you know? And uh, there is a fear at the moment, and I think the fear on saying the wrong thing has now escalated massively, just because of the way that some people have been shouted down or the way that some people have been offended, and, and all of a sudden... I'm not saying that social media wasn't toxic before, but it's become extremely toxic over the last last two weeks. Um, and I even stayed off it for, for, for six, seven days because I thought anything that I may have contributed um, was going to have people starting on you and levelling you to be whatever, whatever it may be, you know. So I, I, I don't think it's a very happy place. I don't think we're a very happy country at the moment. And I actually, I see no end to that. It's, it's just, I, I agree with Jonathan, it's just a horrible situation that we're in at the moment and very, very difficult to even pass comment on anything without judgment. Anyway, let's look, let's look ahead to the football. The game, especially because the big games have gone, Johnny, it doesn't look that exciting. But the last time we had an uninspiring fixture list, you said it was a terrible weekend of games and every game was absolutely brilliant. So I don't know if you have the fixtures in front of you, but... It could be the greatest weekend of football we've ever had. Potentially, yeah. I mean, there, there are still some some decent games there. I think Wolves Wolf City will be will be quite interesting. Spurs Spurs Leicester, I think it is on on, on Saturday evening. Uh, Spurs, obviously. I mean, they need they they have a real point to prove now. I think they've they've been sort of bumbling along, not playing well, but winning, and now they've not played well and really, really like emphatically lost and. Uh, there are sort of question marks there because you know the, the Son hasn't started the season very well, and now Kane Kane seems to have, have gone into a little slump, and it's it's interesting to wonder what you know what what actually they have to fall back on. So um, Leicester obviously have, have have troubles of their own. So I mean that could be a really um, scrappy, hard for like really tense tight game. Also, well, on, there are two games on Friday night. Uh, Villa play Southampton. I mean, every game is must win for Villa, isn't it? Forest playing Fulham. Um, Newcastle, Bournemouth is the only three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And on Sunday, you've got Brentford Arsenal at midday and Everton West Ham at 2.15. Max, Max, you said the big games have gone there. And I always think that we, we've got so much focus on when the top six play mm-hmm. or who they're playing and and which is really disrespectful to it is. the rest of the competitive league that we have. You should apologize by the way. Okay. Uh, Brentford okay. I apologize. <laughs> Brentford no, that's a good game. Week. It was great last season. <laughs> it's wasn't it? a great last season. It should be a good game again. Um Brentford's home record and and you know just the fact that Arsenal um have obviously started the season well. I agree with Jonathan about the Spurs game Spurs Leicester. Leicester look like a side that don't know how to get three points. And where it may come from, while Spurs, I think Conte's. <laughs> listen to my words here. I think Conte's got to stop tinkering with his front line. Um, I, I, I can understand what he's done with Song in trying to get him back into form, but he's so off form that a rest now seems the best thing for him because coming on and maybe making an impact with twenty twenty five minutes to go to be the the 
Premier League's Anton Griezmann might be the best thing for him at the moment. Um, Kulacheski is an outstanding player who was being left out at a time when he was flying and he was almost Spurs' most creative player. So to leave him out, I think, has had an impact on your Canes and your, your not Richarlison, who I think has done well. I still think Spurs lack that real creativity. You know, someone like a Christian Eriksen, um, to make them a, a, a top side because they are just about getting by. Um, but there are some good games to be had and I think it will still be an exciting weekend regardless of the games that we've lost. WSL starts on Friday as well. Uh, Women's Football Weekly starts next week. Uh, there's a preview pod coming out as well. Um, uh, Robin Cowan is on this Football Weekly on Monday, um, so she can tell us all about that. A 13-year-old Barry has become the youngest, not a 13-year-old Barry, a 13-year-old <laughs> footballer. I would like to have seen the 13-year-old Barry, Max, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, yeah. I would like to see 13-year-old Baz <laughs> getting up to scrapes and no good. The, the youngest ever senior footballer in the UK. Uh, his first touch was a, an assist. Christopher Atherton made his debut for Northern Irish semi-pro side Glenavon against Dollingstown in the League Cup, uh, 13 years and 329 days old, became the youngest player in the UK to play in a first-class match. Um, uh, and he looks so tiny. <laughs> the pictures are absolutely amazing. Of course, he's only 13. Um, number one when he was born was So What by Pink. It's now getting to the stage where I don't even know what the songs are. Like I'm not. It's not like... You know, there's so those like after I listened to music. Um, Joe said on the Todd Bowley North South thing, said North South is boring. How about short versus tall, bald versus big hair? Um, could Todd have come up with something more interesting? I I was I had some time in my hands, so I did a a tall v short game. So you can decide, Barry, who's going to win this game? The tall eleven and. Uh, I did just Google tall Premier League players. It might not be the tallest. It was the ones that just came up in the pictures. Fraser Forster in goal with a back three of Matip, Vestergaard and Tyrone Mings. John Stones, because he played so well, yet scored that goal. I put him at right wing back. It was hard to find a tall right wing back. Dan Byrne, of course, left wing back. Suchek, Billing and McTominay in centre mid with Kaladic, Wolves' new signing, Mateta and Brozier up front. Up against... Larice is in goal. I think he's the shortest first-choice Premier League keeper. Lissandro Martinez, uh, Aaron Cresswell, who's much shorter than I thought he was, at centre-back with Tarek Lamptey and Ryan Fraser, your full-backs. Kante and Fred. Lanzini, Coutinho and Bernardo Silva just behind Daniel Podence. I think Short are going to win that. Much mm. better players. The scuttle about. They're better players. I mean, what about Haaland? Is Haaland... I don't... Is Haaland not, not tall enough? He should be in the big 11, shouldn't he? You're right. Okay, let's drop let's drop Mateta and bring in Haaland. Does change the game, doesn't it? Cricket in the, in the 19th century was full of um, full of games like this, um, usually for betting purposes. But there, if you go through like a, a lot of the first class matches, there were you know you'd have matches like smokers versus non-smokers, or, or married versus single, or um, wow, okay. you know, handsome men versus ugly men. <laughs> right. One arm versus one leg. Uh, you know, this was, it, it was a much it was a, it was a much less structured sport in the end. Kind of, we're talking sort of Victorian era here. There we go. Harland is six five and Broger is six foot three. So I've dropped Broger. I do apologise to Erling. Again, again Bro, Broger just can't he just can't get a break, can he? <laughs> I, I like to think I'd be opening the batting for the ugly single smokers <laughs> eleven. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you're across multiple teams there, Baz, Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, any listeners would like to join the Ugly Single Smokers Eleven. Put that, put that game on. Who do you play against? Good-looking, happily married, <laughs> healthy men. Good-looking, philandering, <laughs> clean cop men. <laughs> you know, abstemious, uh, sober. Yeah, I, I don't think the Ugly Smoker Eleven would have a chat, or Ugly Single Smoker Eleven. We'd have much better fun in the pavilion afterwards. Of course, of course, he would. Yeah, all the all the married, happily married good men would have to leave as soon as the game ended to get home to their families, wouldn't they? Um, finally, Michael says, I, I do wonder. Um, how many runners you get through marathon training? I'm glad it came up on yesterday's pod. I've lost count of the amount of times I've delayed a run in the evening till the podcast comes out. Ye have got this Irishman through many runs in Boston. Well, Michael, to you and all the runners, we dedicate this podcast. Um, uh, and if you are a professional violinist who also skateboards and enjoys running, that is the ultimate Venn diagram at the moment. Um, uh, and that'll do for today's podcast. Cheers, Barry. Thank you. Uh, cheers, Johnny. Cheers, Max. Thank you, Troy. Always a pleasure, Max. Thank you. We'll be back on Monday. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Max Sanders. This is The Guardian. 